0: I'd like for us to acknowledge the significance of this weekend. You know, I feel very fortunate to grow, to have grown up and live in a land where we live pretty abundant lives. I mean, I know we have issues and stuff, but I mean, people are risking their lives to get into our country. And I'm, I just feel very humbled by that. And uh, I feel uh, just grateful for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice, those heroes who have given their lives in service of our country. And so I would like us to pause together and remember them and to remember with family and friends uh, of those who have fallen in service of our country. And I'd like to do that by inviting you to stand with me as I pray a prayer. Uh, Those of you in the video cafe, would you also uh, honor this moment by standing with us? Let us pray. Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we pray for those who courageously lay down their lives. May the examples of their sacrifices inspire us to remember the selfless love of your Son, Jesus Christ. Bless the families of our fallen troops and fill their homes and their lives with your strength and your peace. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now this weekend, I want to speak to you about who we are as a church and a little bit about where we are going. You see, next week we will mark the 27th anniversary of the City Church movement. And City Church exists so all people can believe and thrive in Jesus And in 1992, City Church began with a vision to be a church for all people, not just church people. You see, City Church exists for people who don't get church and don't go to church. City Church exists for the messed up and the jacked up. City Church exists for the broken and the hurting. City Church exists for the cynics and the skeptics. City Church exists for those who feel lost and for those who feel far from God. And that initial vision still guides us to this day. And I believe that churches like City Church matter. And I want to talk to you about that for a moment today. You see, I've been a pastor for over 30 years. And back when I I started my ministry, I had a discontent about the way we did church. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the church I grew up in. I came to believe in Jesus because of my church. I'm grateful for that. And I learned lots of good stuff about life in the church I grew up in, and I am grateful for that. But I really didn't feel comfortable inviting my unchurched friends to the church I grew up in. You see, it's like I instinctively knew that my church was for church people. Let me explain what I mean by that. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. So like in my church, people wore church clothes to church. And they were church clothes because you wouldn't wear them anywhere else. They were just church clothes, and you wore them to church. Okay, you had them too. And then, you know, in my church, we sang church songs that nobody sang anywhere else. It was, I mean, come on, man. It was music written in the 1800s, early 1900s. And it had weird words like, you know, we sing about bringing forth royal diadems and letting angels' prostates fall and you know, bringing in the sheaves and stuff. And it's like bringing in the sheaves. Like I grew up in church and I don't even know what a sheaf is. Well, how can I bring it in? And then I was pretty sure my unchurch church friends wouldn't get the sermons, the church sermons, you know, because they were sort of long and theological and it didn't really seem to address like real life issues. And, and then in my church, I don't know if in your church, we had like an insider church lingo, language, you know, like there were certain people, not everybody, but there were certain people you called brother this and sister that. It was sort of cultish kind of a feel. And so here's my point. My church culture, I could just tell it was too different for me to feel comfortable to invite my unchurched friends, even though my friends needed to experience God's grace just like me. Can you relate? I mean, for those of you that grew up in church, did you feel comfortable inviting your friends (coughs) to your Baptist church or your Catholic or Methodist or Pentecostal church? And if you didn't grow up in church, how did you feel when a friend invited you to church? Or worse, when grandma made you go to church with her? Did you feel inspired and excited, or did you feel like an outsider? Well, when I became a leader in the church movement, I wanted to be a part of a church that created a culture where my unchurch friends would feel excited about church and welcome to church, and maybe my church friends might feel a little bit uncomfortable, and that would just be okay with me. You see, at some point in our journeys, we all come to a place where we need a setting, where we feel inspired to seek the living God. And we all long to be a part of a community where we feel safe, safe wherever we are in our spiritual journey in our lives, uh, to, to explore our faith. We want to be a, a, around some people who will love us as we are before we get our act together. We want to be a part of a community where we can get real, real about our doubts, our hang-ups, our destructive habits where we can get real about our struggles. We want to be a part of a setting where we can find redemption, where we can find freedom, where we can find healing. And I believe church ought to be that kind of safe community. And so I want us to look uh, for a moment at a scene where we get a glimpse of the kind of culture that Jesus created in the movement he started that he called the church, And what's interesting about the scene we're going to look at, uh, it's a scene where he invites a young man to follow his movement, only this young man had a messy past. You ready? This is Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Now, when Jesus invited Levi, this tax collector, to follow him, he was creating culture. And so let me explain what I mean by that. You see, tax collectors in Jesus' day had notorious reputations, very terrible reputations. You see, they collected monies for an unpopular foreign power, the Roman Empire, and they typically took more money than what they had to send to Rome. And so they were despised by their own people because they were not only collaborators, they were crooks. And in fact, in the Jewish, amongst the Jewish leadership, uh, in their culture, the rabbis officially designated tax collectors, we have records of this, as robbers. And as robbers, they were not allowed to participate in the temple religious rituals nor were they welcome in any Jewish synagogue. In other words, they were not welcome in any religious services in their day. And so when Jesus invited this tax collector, Levi, to follow him, he was sending a message. He was creating culture. You see, Jesus was starting this movement where robbers were welcome. Jesus started a movement for unchurched people. And when I say unchurched, I mean people who either didn't grow up in church or somewhere along the way got disconnected from church. And so at that point, they're all spiritual investigators like Levi, this tax collector. And I want you to notice what Levi did after Jesus invited him to follow Jesus. This is uh, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So when Jesus invited Levi to follow him, one of the first things he did was he had a big dinner, invited his other friends who had questionable backgrounds to come and meet Jesus. Jesus. Now, I want us to notice several observations from this scene because I think it's critical to what the church movement is all about. First of all, uh, Jesus met with people who were called sinners. Sinners. So, who were these sinners? I mean, in one sense, we're all sinners, right? I mean, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's expectations. So, in one sense, you could say everybody's a sinner, but. It's very clear that when Mark used this label, everybody in the first century knew who he was talking about. And so I did a little bit of research and I found out who the sinners were. Sinners were people who had tried to follow the Jewish moral laws and religious laws, but they messed up so much that they finally gave up. They gave up on the Jewish religion and they didn't care what the Jewish religious leaders thought about them. They became unchurched, and like the tax collectors, because of what they did, they were not welcome in the temple uh, worship services nor in any synagogue. But what's interesting is they were welcome at Jesus' gathering. And like them, some of you may have given up. Maybe you gave up because of a struggle that you faced that you felt powerless to overcome, Maybe you gave up because along the way you began to have some serious doubts, and you asked some hard questions, and no one was willing to give you reasonable responses to your reasonable questions. Or maybe you gave up because someone in the church hurt you, and you never got over it. I want you to know if you've given up, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are in your journey, you're welcome at Jesus' gatherings And you are welcome here. Now, second observation I want to make is what they were doing at this gathering, the significance of Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Because in Jesus' day, and I think it's sort of like true in our day, when you were eating with people who weren't just family, it it was more than just like uh, consuming calories. It was about uh, forging community. It was about building relationships. It was about intimacy. Eating together was a way of forging friendship. And what's interesting, if you read through the the biblical uh, books that tell the story of Jesus' life, Jesus' opponents criticized him for eating with sinners. Isn't that cool? Jesus' critics criticized him for eating with sinners. And that tells me that if you've given up, if you feel like a sinner... Jesus wants to have dinner with you. He wants to share his life with you. He wants to talk with you about your life. He wants to become your friend. This is so important. Because in that gathering, here's what we see. Jesus meeting with people, tax collectors, sinners, and his disciples, having dinner, forging friendships and relationships, And I hope you understand, like, in Jesus' day, they didn't have church buildings. When Jesus gathered together at Levi's house and had dinner with these tax collectors and sinners, that was church. They were having church. Church is a people, not a place. Church is a gathering of people, of all people, all kinds of people, not a building. Sure, they met at Levi's house, that was the site, but church was the gathering. The gathering of people. And did you notice the kind of people who were all gathered there? There were his disciples, people who were following him, but there were sinners and tax collectors too. And I think this is so important. That's what the church is supposed to look like. It's supposed to look like that. That's the movement that Jesus started. The movement Jesus began was for all kinds of people. And then the the third thing I want us to notice, third observation It's a little side comment that Mark makes, but I think it's significant. He said, and he's talking about tax collectors and sinners, he said, for there were many who followed him. Now, just think about that. Think about the implications. There weren't a few who followed him, or some. There were many tax collectors and sinners who followed him. And that tells me that Jesus' movement was for them. Jesus' movement was for those who had given up. Now, why? Why did so many people who were sinners, tax collectors, why did they feel welcome to be a part of his movement? And why did Jesus eat with them? I mean, we're talking about forging friendships with them. Well, the religious leaders of Jesus' day asked the same question. Why? And I want us to notice Jesus' response. I think it gives crystal clarity to what his the culture of his church movement was all about. So this is Mark chapter 2, verse 16. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You see, Jesus didn't come for righteous people. He came for sinners. Jesus didn't start a righteous movement. He started a sinner movement. And that's what the church is supposed to be. You see, the church is not a social club for saints. The church is a sole hospital for sinners. And Jesus Christ, started this movement. I'm, I'm, I'm calling it, he called it a center movement and he also called it the church. And so the, the church Jesus started existed so that people who needed forgiveness could find forgiveness by believing in him. The church Jesus started existed to help people find core healing from the toxic emotions that can wreck our lives by finding freedom together. The church Jesus started restored people's visions for their lives as they discovered and lived their purpose. That's what the church is all about. And Jesus created such an attractive movement, such an irresistible community, that many, many people who had given up on religion, had given up on religious people, many followed him. You know why? Because the culture that Jesus created was a grace culture. Jesus created a grace culture that was attracted, attractive to all kinds of people. Jesus created a grace culture by befriending people wherever they were in their spiritual journeys. Jesus created a grace culture by teaching people before they were committed to even following him. Jesus created a grace culture by helping people and healing people before they got their act together. And Jesus created a grace culture by giving people the time we all need to wrestle with what we believe and how we live. And over the last 27 years, City Church has started, has sought to continue the same kind of grace culture that Jesus started in his movement. City Church is a safe community where all kinds of people, wherever they are in their spiritual journeys, are welcome to come and explore our faith. In Jesus Christ we're not a social club for saints we're a soul hospital for sinners and so we welcome people no matter what they've done no matter what they are doing and no matter what they believe and as we continue moving forward that is who we are and how we are going to be we exist for all people especially people who have given up and so I need to say something to those of you who call City Church your church you are the ones responsible for helping us create this grace culture and protect this grace culture. I can't protect it. You, you can't. I can't get to everybody. And so I'm calling you to do what Jesus did to create the grace culture that he started with his movement. So I'm calling you to welcome all kinds of people, no matter where they are in their journey. I'm calling you to love all kinds of people, no matter where they are in their journey. I'm calling you to befriend all kinds of people, no matter where they are in their journey, and to join me in protecting this grace culture. You know, what I, you know what I hope gets said about City Church? I'd love to hear this, that people would criticize us the same way that people in Jesus' day criticized him. I, I would just love for people to say, you know, that City Church, they're friends of sinners. <laughs> they have a whole bunch of people in their church who gave up. That would just make me feel good. And over the last 27 years, I think we have been that. We have been that kind of safe community. We have literally seen thousands and thousands of people believe in Jesus and get baptized. And so far this year, we have baptized 127 people just here at the Bandera Road campus alone. Yeah. And I'm grateful, I'm grateful and excited about where we've been in our 27 years, but I'm I'm even more excited about where we are going in the future. And I want to talk to you about that for just a moment. You see, we, we, we've wanted to expand the city church flavor of the movement. And at first, we sought to do that by creating video venues of, of city church. Because you know, you know what we found out about San Antonio folk? They don't like to drive a long way to go to church. I mean, they'll drive a long way to go to the Spurs game, but they don't want to drive very far to go to church. And so we wanted to have locations. You know, that were closer to people. And, and, but, but I think our vision has changed. And so that's what I want to talk to you about uh, for the next few moments. Uh, so two years ago, when the elders of City Church asked me to become the lead pastor, one of the first things that we did was we got away with leaders of each of the three campuses. If you don't know this, we have the Bandera Road campus, we have a downtown campus, and we had a west campus. And we got away on a retreat to pray, to dream, and to plan. And one of the exercises that we did, and this might be a good exercise for you to do in your life, is we looked backwards on our history and we acknowledged where God had blessed us. We acknowledged uh, what God had accomplished in our history and celebrated it, you know? But we also noticed what did we try that worked and what did we try that didn't seem to work? Because I think sometimes you have to be honest about that kind of stuff. And and what we realized as we looked backward, because sometimes when you look backward, it gives you a sense of clarity of how you move forward. That's what we were trying to do. As we looked backward, we acknowledged a couple of uh, observations, which was twice we tried to start a video venue or video campus of the Bandera Road campus so that the teaching from Bandera Road would go there on video. And in both cases, when we were honest, we admitted that the video venue, at least for us, didn't seem to work. Both campuses struggled when we tried to open video venues. But when we identified and empowered gifted leaders and speakers to create live experiences like the city church uh, weekend service, both campuses flourished. And so there on that retreat, we acknowledged something, that what we did well wasn't planting like campuses. What we did well was planting churches. And so as we move forward, we determined that we were going to continue to identify grace-infused leaders and pastors to lead grace-infused churches. And so six years ago, City Church Bandera Road planted City Church West with a call to go west to reach the 350,000 people in this burgeoning part of San Antonio. And what began is a few hundred people planting that church has now grown to over 1,000 people serving West San Antonio. And earlier, uh, late, like in last year, some of the pastors and elders, we were praying about how to expand the movement even more. And after that retreat, we just got a sense of clarity, and we sensed that what we needed to do was launch West to become their own church. And so this past January, some of you know this, we launched West, and they changed their name to Meta Church in January. And I I now want to report to you five months down the road that they are doing well, they are growing, they are baptizing many people, and they're making a huge impact in West San Antonio. And I'm super proud of Pastor Clayton and of his team. They're doing an awesome job. Yeah. And I believe Meta Church is the first of many churches that City Church will plant in the future. And I got got a word from the Lord that I feel like gives us a sense of clarity about our strategy to expand the city church movement. Are you ready? Okay, so this comes in Mark chapter 3. So Mark chapter 2 is where you get the scene of the church culture. This comes from Mark chapter 3. So Jesus goes up on a mountain. He spends the evening in prayer, and then he comes down off the mountain, and his strategy is clear. You ready? This is Mark chapter 3, verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. So did you notice the strategy? Jesus identified certain people and then he called those people to be with him so that he could train them to do what he did. And then he sent those people to do what he did. And in doing that, Jesus multiplied his movement. His movement went beyond himself. And I believe that's the word that the Lord has for us as city church. That's where we're going in the future. And that is multiply. Can you say that word with me? Multiply. All right, you're excited. I'm grateful. And, and you play a part in multiply. Because we're going we're gonna, to uh, con- continue to expand the city church movement. Our flavor of the church movement By multiplication, we're going to identify leaders like Jesus did, and we're going to call them and invite them to be with us so we can train them to do what we do well, and then we're going to send them out like Jesus did to preach and to help people find freedom, and we're going to support them for the first few years. That's another thing we noticed that we did well in launching these uh, churches. And then we're going to birth them as their own churches who can then birth more churches. And so I told you, you have a role to play, and so let me unpack what that means. So if you call City Church your church, first thing I'm asking you to do is to pray. Prayer moves mountains. People don't move mountains. Prayer does. And I encourage you to pay attention to spirit promptings. Anything that God leads you to do or speaks to you about, follow up on it. Pursue whatever God calls you to do. Second thing I'm asking you to do is to find freedom yourself. Because you can't help anyone else find something you don't have. And so that means you're going to need to get into a circle and and forge some friendships where you can unpack all of your stuff. And at some point, I want everybody who calls City Church their church to go through our Peel the Onion program, which is where we help you get core healing. And it will empower you to do what you're called to do. Third thing I'm asking you to do is to live your purpose. Discover the unique gifts that God has given you. Discover your unique passion uh, for life and get involved in this movement. It is the greatest movement ever because the Son of God started it and find your unique way to make a difference. And we have a program to help you with that. It's called the Purpose Path. And then finally, I'm asking you to give with purpose. And so I know uh, hundreds or even thousands of you have joined me In a journey I asked you to join me on this year, I've called the generosity journey, which means you took a step of faith in giving to the city church movement. And so if you've already taken a step of faith, I thank you and pray God would bless you. But if you haven't joined the generosity journey, which is what funds city church, I'm asking you to take a step of faith. And so this is what I mean by that. If you have not given anything to the city church movement, I ask you to give something to the city church movement and become a new giver. If you have given something to the city church movement but you don't give regularly, then your step of faith, I'm asking you to become a consistent giver. Pray with your family about an amount that you can give consistently regularly and each time you get paid, give that amount. If you are a consistent giver but you don't give a significant percentage to the city church movement, then I'm asking you to become a percentage giver and to give 10%. That's what the Bible calls tithing. And tithing is talked about from the book of Genesis all the way through Jesus, and there's a blessing that comes with that. And my prayer is that you would experience the God of the blessing as you give. The last uh, step of faith for some of you, some of you maybe you're already significant percentage givers, then I'm calling you to be a legacy giver. Begin to think about your legacy to the movement that Jesus started by giving beyond your 10% either to City Church or to one of our social action partners like uh, the San Antonio Food Bank or even to a need in the community. And I believe by living with purpose and giving with purpose we will be able to take this movement forward and multiply it in many parts of our city in our state that need a City Church kind of church. Now I want to end by telling you about one story of a man whose life was changed because of the grace culture that you've helped us create here at City Church. So his name is Paul. And I met Paul the last time we had baptisms here uh, on stage at City Church. And I met him and he told me that uh, he, he hadn't really gone to church much, but he wanted to get baptized. He told me he did tell me that he had terminal cancer. And so that's why he really wanted to solidify you know, that moment in his journey. And, and I said, well, I'm glad to baptize you. And so... I, I prayed for him first, and then I baptized him. Well, then I heard the rest of his story. He, he did not uh, grow up going to church. He didn't go to church. He had been estranged from his ex-wife and their daughter for 15 years. Several months earlier, he found out that he had cancer. But it was only a few weeks earlier that he found out that it was terminal, and he had just weeks to live. Don't know what had happened in his life, but he was not connected with anybody. He wasn't sure what to do, so he went to the home of his ex-wife and asked her if she would take him in. He told her what was happening, and he asked her if he could die there. And his ex-wife goes to city church. And despite the hurt that she had, and the anger, and the pain, and all of it understandable, She told one of our pastors that she kept thinking, what would Jesus do? And she felt like Jesus would take him in. And so she took him in. It's it's one of the most inspiring acts of love and kindness I think I've ever heard, you know, as a pastor. And because of that, that next week at Easter service, Paul came to Easter service. And he heard the good news that Jesus loved him, died to pay for his sins and could give him eternal life and forgive his sins so his destiny would be sure. And so the next week he came and he got baptized right over there. I don't know if he's still alive, but I'm grateful that he found a grace culture. And that is, yeah, and that is... And that his ex-wife was such a great example of God's love to him and God's grace to him. And, uh, and so if you call City Church, your church, let, let's protect this and let's move this forward. And, uh, and if, if you would say, you know, Pastor, I don't know what I think about church yet, but I feel more like Paul. I feel like a sinner. Well, I wanna allow you to experience the grace that he experienced too. So would you would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes and if you want to believe in Jesus and know that your sins are forgiven and begin a new part of a new chapter of your life I invite you just to pray this prayer of faith with me as I lead you through it maybe you would just whisper it out loud God I believe in you and I believe Jesus is your son I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins. So I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to make me your child. Thank you, Lord. And Lord God, I ask that in response to this prayer of faith, you would do what you promised. Lord God, you said that if we would believe in your son Jesus, that you would forgive our sins, that you would remove every stain of our sins, that you would lift the burden of guilt. My prayer is that right now the burden of guilt is just lifted. And that you would fill those who have believed with your spirit and seal within their hearts that from this day forward they are your children and they can call you, the living God, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.